0: Business owners likely will have only one shot to sell a business. Most don't understand what drives value and how buyers look at a business. Until now. Welcome to the How to Sell a Business podcast, where every week we talk to the subject matter experts, advisors, and those around the deal table about how to sell at maximum value. Every business will go to sell one day. It's only a matter of when. We're glad you're here. The podcast starts now. Did you ever think about your data? And as a seller, that's one of the most important pieces of a sale is your information. And believe it or not, there's a difference between information and data. And I, today I had a opportunity to talk to Mike Butler and Mike Butler is a data and uh, analytics executive. Um, he works for a local company here called Seaspring. And I, I met the chief of staff, Emma Myers, and we were talking about just data. I keep, I was t- listening to her talk and it kept on making me think, my gosh, there, there's so much more. Two data that I think sellers as well as buyers are overlooking. Everybody's talking about financials and making the deal work, but not as many people are talking about, you know, what does this deal look like six, 12, 18 months from now when we assimilate that company in? So Mike, oh my gosh, he, he has been, like I said, he's the chief data officer for for Seaspring. He's been he's worked in the financial services industry as a CTO. Um, you know he he is just a wealth of knowledge, and I'm I'll have all of his information and contact information in the uh, show notes. But I can tell you out of out of this year's podcast, it this is one of the top ones, and so I hope uh, you enjoy my conversation with Mike Butler of Seaspring. Well, welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate it. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have you. And, and before you came on, I was giving, I was giving the audience a, a, an overview of you and C-Spring, but I'm, I'm not certain I really did it justice. So can you just talk at the high level and then we'll, we'll jump into some questions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So C-Spring is a data consulting firm headquartered in Carmel, Indiana. Um, it's been around since 1996 under different names. Um, but we're working with both uh, public and private sector clients. Um, our customers usually come to us because they want to do something around decision making. They want to do something around automation, something in that way So um, we deliver analytics solutions then to help them save time, money, uh, and, and any frustration
0: on that I, part. I get you. And, and therein lies the, the point of our conversation because getting that data from point A to point B in – in a business sale is, you know, I don't, I'm not really certain everyone understands just the, the risk associated with that. That is a, that is such a huge part of the value that you're buying. Um, I think only I'm trying to figure out whether or not it's more important. Uh, if people are more important or the data is more important, you know? <laughs> so, so well, we can, we can get into that, but I'm going to lead off with, with, an excerpt from the, from, uh, from, uh, the, the periodical Chief Executive. So it, it, it reads, with technology playing such a critical role in organizations' success and failure, one might think, uh, think IT would be of chief concern for MA due diligence. But it turns out that the opposite is true. So this survey in January conducted by Chief Executive and Elliot Davis found that only 9% believe that the acquisition targets tech Capabilities is a critical driver of M and A. While twenty one percent said technology had little to do with deal making, and and I find it astounding. What? But you're in it. What? What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Well, so the the, the the business side of me is like, yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't have a material impact. But the reality is like, there's so much there's so much about it that can that can create a problem in the deal. So a really good example would be um, if if the company that you're buying. Has had a cyber breach and they don't know about it, and you're buying something for its brand or you're buying something for its reputation or something like that. You could take on that business, uh, realize they've had a cyber breach, and maybe it's in your policy. You have to tell people that, and all of a sudden you're releasing that as your company, not the yeah. company you just bought. Um, and so it's it's an interesting problem that shows up. But I, I, I the quote makes sense. I've done you know I've done a number of these, and um, usually technologies technology's job is to try to figure out how to find a way. Um, and then there's just situations where it just, it's, it's complicated. And I do think it's something you want to keep in mind in your due diligence process and try to figure it out.
0: Yeah. And, and I follow on, I follow a little bit on the, on the cyber side, but on the data side, I find it hard to believe that people aren't like, that is such an important component of what you're buying is, especially if it's, you know, a synergistic buy where you have one party that's buying either market share, or you know wh- what whatever their whatever the synergy is, I would think that they would be all over, you know, data integrity and how are we going to yeah. get it from point A to point B?
1: Yeah, and so like if you were yeah if you're buying a company and you're like you buying sometimes you're buying a customer list or you're you're expanding into a market or something like that. Um, I was I was reading about uh JPMorgan Chase that just bought um a company that had falsified. About 70 percent of oh, the data they had bought in this acquisition, um, and they were buying. It was basically a, a firm that had a bunch of marketing capabilities. They were trying to attract, you know, a, a younger generation, um, and so the challenge is because they didn't really do their due diligence up front. Um, they didn't realize
0: that most of what they were buying was actually junk, and so they way overpaid for it. So, well, I'm certain either there is some sort of vehicle to you know, I'm certain there was some sort of recourse, but that, that that leads, that leads to the, the question, how do you, if I'm a buyer and I, and I'm walking in, how do I, if I'm a, if I'm a buyer, I want to know about the data. If I'm a seller, I'm like, yeah, you know what, why don't we wait a little bit until we're further down the road? Um, but how do you how do you bridge that gap? Because that I I have to assume that's a real you know I, I understand both sides. But how how, how can you give? And I guess the question is how do you provide some sort of assurance on data integrity from the sell side and give enough information that the buyer is willing to take the next step and move toward the you know closing the deal?
1: Yeah. It's, that's a, that's a really hard one because like every organization is a little different how they interpret quality, how they interpret what they need to do. Um, so from a, from a buyer perspective, it's always good to, to have a, to know, um, the data inventories that are out there, what you're really buying, um, challenge the quality of what you're buying, I think is really important. From a seller perspective, um, I think you really do have to be ready to address some of these challenges. So, you know, before you might, you might've just said, yeah, I'm just going to sell. It's not really going to matter. Um, but these days it really does matter. You know, you know, sometimes people are buying you for those digital assets more than sure. anything. Um, and those digital assets, that's data, it's information, it's things like right. that. So you do have to be ready to, uh, I usually tell people and part of the, part of the process is to, to create an inventory of what what's out there, you know, an inventory of what's a part right. of the sale, Um, and then essentially going through and, and coming up with a way you're going to evaluate that. And so like the example of JP Morgan Chase, he obviously didn't uh, evaluate the quality of the data. And that's, I think it's a really good example of as the buyer, you want to make sure you've got enough levers in place that you can try to figure out like what, you know, what's the value of what you're buying, you know, uh, and, and, and what are you going to be able to do with it? I had, I had a conversation with a CPA the other day that, about valuation of data within your organization. And it is a little difficult. It's a newer. It's, it's different if you're a data company where, you know, if you're like Google, that's what you are, um, versus a company where data is more of a byproduct of what you're doing and you're going to use it for some kind of monetization effort or monetization effort. Uh, and, and it's, it's difficult. It's, it's a hard process.
0: So you and I keep talking about data and I'm probably getting ahead of myself. What let's, let's define what data is in this world.
1: Yeah. So there's, there's uh I like to say there's data and there's information. So, so data is just like just raw stuff. It's just things you've measured information about your clients, stuff that's stored in applications could be stuff that's stored in your Google sheets or your, your, uh, your OneDrive or what, it doesn't matter what it is. The data is just, just every, everything associated with that. And it's also, uh, people tend to think of it as digital. It's also all your paper records and things like that. It's, it's everything you've got. Um, information tends to be something that we've done with that data, where we've created a report or we've created analysis or we've, you know, done something with. So financial reports are a really good example. The, the raw transactions in your ledger, that's just data. And then when we when we take those transactions, we roll them up and we create like a like a and L statement or something like that. That's information we can now make some decisions from it and do something with it.
0: So wh- so is the value in the data or the value in the information?
1: It's in the data because okay. it flows from left to right. It starts uh, with uh, data, okay, and then we flow it. into information from there.
0: I get it. So. So I, I know you've been part of, of a number of acquisitions. And, and, and that's what, you know, we're, I was, I was so fortunate that, uh, that, that Emma had, had brought us together. And one of the things that, that I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, what are the challenges associated with trying to get, you know, get the data collect, you know, at, at the time of sale, you know, there's so much going on. How do you, how do you do that? I, I can tell you when we, we merged a company into, uh, into our, our practice and it, and this is 15 years ago and we still are getting haunted by mm-hmm. some of the idiot moves we made, um, as it related to the data and the day and who, whose database won, whose process won, whose, yep. So I, I guess that's what what I wanted to talk to you about is is what are the, some of the challenges that you see you know as part of you know, a, a sale?
1: Yeah, there's a few. I'll go. There's I'll, <laughs> I'll a, a lot. Well, the one you just you just talked about is actually like my number one is um when when you when you're involved in a sale and and if it's if it's a merger of equals and you're trying to decide okay whose system whose process who's who's what um that making those decisions and making explicitly and knowing like the pros and cons of what you're going to do. Yep. A lot of times people buy, like when you, we would ru- I would run into these situations where you would buy a company and we'd say, Oh, they have a better CRM. Let's just move to theirs. Well, the problem with that is you have processes in place within your organization of how you're using your existing CRM. And unless there was a plan to already move to that CRM, and you're just going to use that to jumpstart, it's usually a bad idea to to take in processes and technology from an inquiry, a, a company you're acquiring and try to force fit your current processes on it. It's usually better to run an integration or a, a transform, a digital transformation project or something like that. Usually you do a project later to do some of that. Um, anyway, so that, that first like inventory, making those decisions, knowing the implications of the decision. That's my old enterprise architecture days. That's, those are the yeah. things that we would have to model out. Um, and then you get these other challenges that start to occur. So let's say you make those decisions. Well, now you have some other problems. I've, I've been a part of uh, acquisitions where we actually made the assumption that everything was digital form and it wasn't. It was in paper formats. I, there are companies and there are actually a lot of, there's several in Indy. They can do transformations of data from, you know, paper to digital. But guess what? It costs per page, per word, for things like that. So there's a huge cost component that shows up if you've, if you've got things that aren't. Um, the second thing that I think is, is really complicated is, is how you merge that data. So at this point, we make the assumption that let's, let's say we've got, we, we've got it. We know we're going to move like from one, I don't know, let's say we have Salesforce and we're going to move it into Microsoft Dynamics. Maybe that's what you're using. Um, the problem you run into is how do you even going to do that? like is it even possible is what what was the quality of the data that was tracked in the the acquires or, or in the acquired yeah. system and it's um it's 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 a it's a big process i usually tell people you're probably not going to do it with all some of that data you can just archive there's some techniques for that you can archive that data use it later if you want um some of that data you you have to get immediately into your systems like on right. day 1 or day 5 or whatever that turns into um and then the last thing And there's so many, but these are like the ones I wanted to talk to. The last thing that uh, a lot of people don't think about is sometimes the size of the data or the application or something like that. There either aren't interfaces into it. The data is so big or something like that. It's very difficult, timely to move it. So you can't actually get it done in day one or something like that. It might take a week to just move the data around to get it into a state where you can load it. And then there are systems that don't. Um You have to, you have to model all this out and you have to, we used to do mock runs with this stuff where we, we test everything and make sure we could actually do it in the speed we thought we could do it. Um But you have to model through all that and you have to figure out, okay, how am I going to load this data? Can I move it in the time? What's the business need? And there's a number of things you have to do. So, the, so I guess the, the real answer is there's a lot of challenges that show up when you're trying to move data around.
0: Well, you know, and, and the, and the, I say the funny thing, but it's, it's really not funny and we, and we paid the tuition on it is you know, everybody just assumes, all right, you have two date, let's just say databases. You have two databases, you export all your data, you put it into Excel, you, you, you look for duplicates or whatever, you do some merging, and then whosoever database you're going to go with, you just re-upload it. And I can tell you from experience, that is, that absolutely does not work. And, and the funny thing is the, and, and I hope you can talk about how to help people find people like you to do this. Like, I, because we, I mean, we did a pretty, we did pretty good due diligence on who, you know, we were getting the same information from multiple people, but at, at the end of the day, I mean, it was, this was not the way to handle the merging of data. So I, you know, I'm jumping around here, but I mean, can you talk a little bit about how to get, how to, how to find people like you and, yeah, that, that's it. How to find people like yeah. you to, to, to do this kind of work and, and what is the process associated with doing it?
1: Yeah, yeah. the easiest, so uh, when I was you know, consultant now, but on the other side of the house, I used to go hire consulting firms. Um, a lot of times the companies, like your applications that you wanna merge into, they have experts within those companies. You can call them and you can say, here's what I'm working on. Do you have someone that I can work with that can help me with how I would move data? The, the larger problem, and you actually hit it, is you essentially, you're going to, you have to figure out, you have to figure out how to get data out of the system. You then have to gap the differences between how, you know, maybe that system was tracking data with the system you want to merge into. We then have to build, and usually this is programmatic, you have to build a map. Essentially, I'm going to move this field it has to become these two fields in this new system. Um, you write that program, you then test and go through that process, and then there's a lot of, Um, You can do a lot of automated validation, but the reality is, like, people have to look at it at some point. And it turns out you usually want the people from the system that you're acquiring to look at it. Uh, And then from there, you're going to, you know, you do the load. If there's a way to load it. Sometimes you have to do, there's, like, three three methods. It's database to database, right? Like you said, pull it out, shove it in Excel, do some stuff, shove it back up into another database. (laughs) Um, There's, like... Sometimes there's like you can get data out, but there's no real good interface to get it in. You might have a programmatic interface or something like that. And then the last one is um, you just have to do it manually, right? Um, and there's some tools for that. But the way I used to find people was, you know, my vendors. Um, I'd reach out to companies like Seaspring and say, hey, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. You know how to do this. Have you done this before? Um, there's this whole field of just data engineering that deals with this. We, and and um, I got yeah. good at it at the last place I was at. Because I had spent so much time managing internally all the applications and systems and trying to get all the data together that when we would buy
0: companies, we had the tooling to go out and deal with some of that kind of stuff. And what how much time did, did it take? Because I know I know that's a that's a and, and I know it's a loaded question, but I do but I know everybody is at least the post-merger integration, the PMI, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's trying trying to to get the deal done and then start sprinting to, toward, you know, the, the, the reason behind the acquisition. And so, you know, how long, how long of a, of an undertaking, you know, is this?
1: It's material. Um, so it, it's dependent on the size, so the size of the, the system, the size of the data within the system, and then where you're trying to take it. Um, and okay. I would say that, uh, a lot of times what I would do is I would I would encourage, well, and I would run it, but we would basically inventory applications. We'd inventory everything that existed, and we'd say, okay, here's everything we just bought. Where is it going? What are we doing with it? And there were like three options, essentially. It was this app goes to this app. Uh, this app goes into an archive. We're not going to do anything with it. We're just going to store the data in case we need it. And then this app, would, it's done. We don't, we'll never need it. It has no value, all that. So we do all that. That process takes, you know, a little bit of time for the team to to work through the actual uh, like gapping, mapping, and then coding all that. Um, there's tools out there to speed it up, but uh, depending on the system, I mean that can be that can be weeks to months of work just prepping all of that. Yeah. Again, depending on size. No, no, and sure, sure. Um, And then the validation, surprisingly, validation a lot of work, like making sure you did it correctly because.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've
1: met some really great programmers in my life, but they're not perfect. They do make mistakes and getting, getting people that know the business and know the context of the data that was in there. Cause like, right. if I, let's say I were to do it, I don't know your business. I would uh, make a lot of mistakes and assumptions. You have to then catch those. And then that's, that's, you know, probably an equivalent amount of time from the coding and the gapping and mapping and all that kind of stuff. Equivalent amount of time gets spent testing.
0: Yeah. You know, the, fu- the funny thing is that you say that and, and we, you know, we see a lot of professional service firms, you know, where, where their book of business is their contact list. And mm-hmm. I take that really, really serious because that's, that's somebody's living and going back to, to our train wreck of, a of a merger, you know, we, you know, it, it was six months later and it's like, Hey, that's my client. And, yeah. you know, and As as it relates to data validation, you know it's hard to when you have thousands and thousands of 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 contacts in your database, it's it's hard to validate. I I have to imagine it's it's really hard to 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 do that, right? I mean, or or or, I mean, I don't understand what data. I, I understand what data validation is. I don't understand how it gets done.
1: Yeah, and so some of it you do programmatically, right? So you'd, you'd say, um, I don't know what you said, like your let's say your name and address. Okay. You know, Ed at this address uh, shows up in this system and in this system. So some of that we try to do programmatically. The problem so your quality question you asked earlier, this is where this starts to come in. Um, so let's say, uh, or actually my name is a really good example. Of this. So Mike or Michael. Uh, I Sometimes oh, sure. maybe I'm a client of both companies. I'm stored different names in each uh, one. Yeah. My address is the same. So the question becomes, is that two different? People or is that one person? You start to get into these challenges with um, how to actually deal with that. Um, and so it's 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 it is it is more complicated than I think people realize. And so you, you sometimes you have like unique identifiers, like social security numbers, something like that you might have in some industries, where um, or, or we sure, call it PI sure. personally that- identifiable information. The reality is, you don't. You, a lot of times, with a lot of business, you don't have that, and so you're doing a lot of address matching and name matching and trying to figure out, like, do you have common customer records? Can you can you merge these? Can you not merge these? And you make some decisions. And like you said, like I've seen uh, situations where those have bombed because the decisions we made were wrong. A mailing goes out, or a communication right. goes out, and some you know suddenly customers are calling you saying, like, why did you send me two different quotes on this right, thing? Right, right. Oh. These look like two different numbers.
0: So 100%, it's, it's challenging. A hundred percent. And which, which leads me to my next question of how, how do you determine whose whose system is superior? Like for example, mm-hmm. if my, if my target is superior to my system, there's, there's something about, you know what, I'm, I'm the guy writing the check. I'm going to, I'm going to force feed you into my, my system. I mean, is there a way, I mean, I guess the C Springer, do you, do you get into, yeah, I'm looking at both systems and this is why it's superior to to that. Yeah.
1: You can do application assessments. And then, um, what, what I, what I challenge people with is what do you, which, which system do you actually have the ability to migrate into? Are you buying it? So if you're, if you're doing the acquisition and part of the acquisition is you want that system that was part of the deal and you want to get to it. Then I say it's part of your strategy. Like, it makes total sense. Move into it. Let's figure out how to do it. If it's not, uh, sometimes what I encourage is, hey, if if timeline is really important to you, if you're like, yeah, I want this all done in like two weeks. I want to. I want when legal close happens and I own it. I want this done in two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. What I generally encourage there is minimize the amount of change possible, which means you don't. Because the thing people don't think about in that is that's, po- that's probably definitely possible, right? You can move the other way. Do you have the time to retrain your staff, your, your back office operations, all that kind of stuff to move from one system to another, or during an, during an acquisition, do you need to just focus on getting the acquisition done into a completed state? And then you can talk about maybe migrating that new software later or something like that. So it's really, I think it's really dependent on the strategy. I do have strategy conversations with people and that kind of stuff is what are you buying for? How important is it to you? And, you know, do you want to. Potentially, do you want to spend more money because if you're buying a smaller company and they don't have, maybe they don't have the technical expertise or they don't have the the data expertise in house? You know, we we've done that. We'll come in and we'll provide that service. Um, but it's I, a lot of it's it's a couple different levers we have to talk through when we
0: do that. So is it the appropriate time to basically re retool data and the mm-hmm. handling the data at acquisition or does that create? You know I'm, I'm trying. What I'm trying to piece together mm-hmm. is, can if I'm a buyer, I buy in. You know, I I make no changes. I kind of I kind of get my feet under me, figure out where all the moving parts are and where the fires are. But now I got. I, I I suppose I could be running two simultaneous systems.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How does C-Springer? How do you guys come in, and and then just. Say, all right, we're going to dump this together, and 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 now we're gonna we're gonna design this the way it should be. Both the, both of your systems are inferior to what what 2023 technology can provide you. I mean, I know you guys do that, but how yeah. how how would that look? Yeah, so let's
1: say you called me, you said, "Hey, we did this acquisition, or I just did this acquisition. I've got these two CRMs, and I need to figure out what to do." Um, you're right. And there's, there's three, de- there's three decisions essentially that happen. So you can stay on your CRM and we talk about the, the implications mm-hmm. of that. You can move to the new company CRM, um, or, well, actually there's four. You can, you can leave them both on their own CRMs. And I'll talk about why that's important in a second, or you can move to a completely new one, like Greenfield at build your own, whatever. Um, and we, what we'll do is we talk through, the, each one of those pros and cons, what we're trying to accomplish, you know, business goals, all that kind of stuff. The reason, and you'd say like, well, wait a minute, Mike, you're talking about data and why would you not want to migrate the data? Cause generally I would say always, always right. pick one place. Uh, the, the only time I've ran into where I would recommend you don't is if you are buying the business and your plan is short term to divest it later, uh, and you're going to sell it again. Um, sometimes I would make the argument, leave those separate and we can, we can do on the back end though. There's a, there's a technique called an, a, a data hub where we can actually build a way to at least feed information between those systems so um, that it, there's sure. some updates occurring. Um, okay. But the other ones we talk through, you know, what are the, what are the opportunities? What do you want to accomplish? What's, what's the cost to accomplish those things? Cause sometimes it's a price point thing and you say, no, I want to do the simplest thing, I mean, whatever. But let's, let's say you bought two, you're on a an, uh, very antiquated uh, CRM and the company you bought on a really antiquated CRM. And part of your, your plan is we're going to, we're going to do some digital transformation. We're going to make this way more digital we're going to automate more things like that. We want to move on to, I don't know, pick yeah, one, sure. Salesforce. Uh, we have that conversation. And then what we do is we build those models in terms of how we're going to move data. And generally, though, we'll move one system, make sure it all works, and then move the other. Uh, and we'll do the one that's the easiest. So sometimes it's the company that you've integrated or you've bought. Yep. You're working on the integration. We'll move them first, make sure it works, and then you move the main company later. So there's a lot of different models. But we do do it, and we do do a lot of um, strategy and
0: decision-making
1: associated with it.
0: Do you do, any, do you do any due diligence on the target? Like for example, I'm a buyer and I'm saying, all right, here's ABC company I'm looking at. You know do you, do you guys ever go in and do some preliminary due diligence before, before you know at, for on behalf of the buyer to figure out, you know, all right, this is this is what you're looking at as far as getting it from point A to point B? We,
1: we haven't honestly. Um, I've been on due diligence teams though um, and put together plans like that. So it wouldn't be hard for us to do, but a, what I would actually do. So if you called me and you say, Hey Mike, I'm thinking about buying this company, but I'm buying them for, you know, their customer lists and some technology they have and, you know, some of these types of things. Is there any way you could help me understand like it, it's how complicated it's going to be? Um, we, we, I do have, we do have that capability. A lot of times what we'll look at, we'll want to get like a, a little bit of information around them, have a conversation with them. It helps us kind of give you like a, essentially like a maturity level of where they're at as an organization. Mm -hmm. We can then tell you from a complexity perspective what's going to happen. And then I would do, we have a high level framework for data quality assessment. I would run that assessment on the, on the data you find critical, not all of it, but a piece of it.
0: Well, I'll tell you so many, so many of the businesses that we see and and we've done about 2200 deals. And I'm telling you that this whole data thing, I mean, this is so low on on the yeah. totem pole, it, and it and it's totally surprising to me that that it is. Um, and so I was I was trying to 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 formulate the the appropriate question on if I'm a seller and I'm trying to prepare. All right, so so what are what are what data standards and quality control. And processes. What what am I trying to to give to the buyer that makes your you know someone like your jobs easier? Or how do I pass that that data due diligence? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so like standards
1: and that approach. Yeah. So um, for us, what I would be looking for is um, so I'd be looking for like an inventory of all your because you have to think about, from a seller perspective. If you can show you have some of this stuff, you might be able to increase. Uh, your sale point, right? You might be able to say, like, I have better customer data. I have have more of this. So we look for inventories of data. Like, do you know your applications? You know your data sets, all that kind of stuff. Um, And then we look to say, okay, do you have any internal policies or standards or what what processes are you following internally to maintain data, to work with data? Um, It gets a little different too if we start to see things like PII or PHI data. We'll start to ask, do you have controls around that?
0: Like what does that a, mean?
1: What is PI? Um, so, and- yeah, so PI was like personally identifiable information. Oh, right, right. Numbers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, PHI would be healthcare data. Got it. Um, and if if you're buying a company that has, you know, maybe you're buying a company that has some of that kind of data, um, we definitely want to know what kind of controls because usually there's some kind of regulatory component to that. Um, but what, there's there are standards out there. There's you know there's nothing that I would just grab and say hey, here's what we have to compare. But that's where I would go grab a regulatory standard and say okay, you are a healthcare whatever service provider you have phi in your, in your shop how are how are you how are you managing that mm-hmm. we need to understand that because there's a lot of value in that and if there's control if there's data issues or things like that we're gonna have a problem um we also then uh, with a lot of companies will start to look at um like how they how they've dealt with data within their environment um you know what are they doing with it what's their culture look like things like that
0: i got it. so Who, who is responsible? I mean, who do you who do you tend to work with on on both sides? I mean, Mm -hmm. are you working with the business owner? I mean, I for the people that we serve and and I know you guys are work with you know some 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 substantially larger companies than say that's in our target market, but you know who who do you normally work with to? You know, I, I understand the check writer, but there's got to be there there's got to be there's got to be somebody at you know that that controls the data. Does yeah. that make sense? So who are those people? So
1: uh, we are with all sizes of companies. So smaller, really small companies, few people, stuff like that. It's usually the owner. We're going to work with the owner directly, and they might have a person that they work with that tell us. As the companies go up in size, it actually gets uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, a lot of times your accounting teams. Uh, are controlling a lot of that kind of stuff. So if you yeah. have, yeah, yeah, accounting teams, actually they have a lot of the financial data, so a lot of what, what they're uh, controlling is the movement of if that financial information is going to come out, where it sits, a lot of times it's in your core systems, things like that. Um, if they have a technology team, obviously that's a group we would work with directly. They're usually the gatekeepers of a lot of that kind of stuff. They usually don't know it that well, though. Yeah. Um, they usually know what it is and and how to get it to you and how to give you access, things like that. Um, but a lot of times you have financial teams, uh, IT people, owners, in some case, if it's smaller, if it's a larger organization, you start to run into, they have like analytics shops or they have chief chief data officers like me that are kind of the gatekeepers of some of that. Um, and then sometimes like operational folks and things like that. But yeah, you're hundred percent right. It depends on the size and the scale of the organization and it's different people depending on that.
0: Yeah. Because I, I mean, I look at, you know, a shop like ours, I mean. It, it's all break, fix work. I mean, our database breaks and we go find somebody to fix it, you know, <laughs> rather than, than somebody, you know, and, and, and I, I, the businesses that we, we see, there doesn't seem to be any, they're more like me than, than, you know, have somebody on staff that kind of can, that's the da- data yep. czar. You know what I'm yeah.
1: saying? Yeah. And you can do like fractional services with companies too that can become that data czar for you. Uh, we oh. do some of that kind of stuff. And sometimes sometimes it's not necessary. You do just need to do break fix. And it's a question of if you're thinking about like getting ready for a sale, you're like, you can do an asset. Hey, can you come in and just help me with some perspective? So when I do my sale, I'm in a better spot to tell them that, you know, my customer records are good. my my information's Whoa. in a good
0: spot, right? And, and and what's prompting this is, you know, we're seeing more and more businesses do quality of earnings reports, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's yep. a, you know, that's a low level audit, but the same thing, I I I think goes with the data. And um, yep. but I'm I'm but my point is, I'm I'm really surprised that there's not more emphasis on the data. And I and I guess I'm I'm curious to know why you think that is, because I mean, you've seen so many deals. I'm just curious to know why aren't, why aren't we, you know, we're looking for customers and customer concentration, but we're not looking at, you know, the, the data process. We're not looking at, you know, how, how this business actually works. All we're focused on is revenue and earnings. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And is it accurate? Right. That's the right. Thing you're asking
1: yourself that. Yeah, that's, I dealt with SOX 404 controls a lot, which are essentially that is, mm-hmm. you know, how do you know our data, our, our financials are accurate? And uh, uh, what's interesting in that process is you really do get down into data processes and, and not the fina- not just the financials, but anything anything that the, we call it data lineage, anything that moves from, I don't care, a, a product you sold up into uh, your income statement. Okay. Um, so a lot of times I think it's really just, it's an education thing. Um, I, you know, it's not, it's the, the space, like a lot of people think is a technology space. It's like, ah, oh, it's IT people. They're the ones that work with data. And the rea, I mean, I, I built my first BI teams, uh, with accounting people, uh, because they, they, they already, they act, accountants already speak data. They just yeah. speak it in the financial terms and they speak business. So it's actually a really good model. Um, but I think it's, I think it's maturity. I think it's education. I think there's just like this conversation that you and I are having, which is amazing. Um, I think people don't have enough of these types of conversations just talking and saying like, what should I be concerned with? Like, do I need to go learn how to do all this? And it's like, no, you don't need to learn how to do it, but you need to be aware of it. And if you know what's out there and what's possible and how do you, how do you, how do you make, build confidence? That's a lot of times the yeah. control layers that you're talking oh. about do. How do you build confidence that your financials are accurate? And while well, you do that,
0: because you make sure your data is accurate, whatever speed But as it, uh, as it relates to that, if i'm if i'm the business owner i'm like okay you know there's two schools of thought you know why spend the money mm-hmm. before i have to and if i'm because if the buyer's if the buyer's going to scrutinize my data and scrutinize my tech tech hierarchy and how how it all operates i'm i'm trying to figure out and that's where the question is: Is it better for the seller to say, you know, I'm a, I'm going to call C-Spring, and here's what we're going to do: We're going to figure out, you know, kind of give an overview of what we have. Is mm-hmm. it, does that make more sense, or does it make more sense to say, look, you know, I, I know I'm getting ready to get uh, a, you know, technological. Colonoscopy, and it's, uh, you know, and 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 that's just the way it works, you know. So, so which is which is superior? I I like the idea of that the seller the seller is providing. This is what I have as as opposed to the buyer coming in and elongating the due diligence process.
1: Yeah, I think that's more. You just hit it. Like if if you've got that ready to go, it's it's like a it's it's just a here we go. Like it's, we can, we can start the deal. We can start having the conversation. If you, if you get a buyer though, that becomes, again, it's, it's about trust really concerned with, Hey, your financials, like where's this data coming from? Like, how did you build it? And you're like, well, I have the system and I just do stuff and I'm, Mm -hmm. I don't know how they enter anything or how anything gets in there. Um, that's, you, you start to have a confidence problem. And at that point the question becomes, right how are you going to get confident? And a lot of times, you know, maybe they're doing a financial audit, but at some level, sometimes what they're doing is they're actually doing a data audit. They're looking through that data and how it's getting in there and what's happening and things like that. So, um, I'm a fan of, I mean, it, I agree. It's actually a price point. It depends on your situation and the type of industry you're in and a lot of different things, but I'm generally a fan of do this stuff up front to make, uh, help, you know, some people sell their businesses, do it upfront to sell your business. Um, make, make it a little easier. You don't have to invest a lot. Maybe just do, you know, an hour or two consulting and just trying to figure out where you're at, what you need to do, what you can clean up. And it just make your sale go a lot faster,
0: a lot cleaner. I would think so too. So let me ask you, how do you, how would you scope, I guess, describe the, the, the process, what you would, what you guys would do. You would come in and, and how you would evaluate, how you would scope it and, you know, and, and certainly I understand fees are based on, on the scope and breadth of the project. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. But can you, can you kind of give an overview of, you know, this is kind of what it would look like for us to do a pre-sale tech audit or data audit?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we have a model we call the quick start discovery. And essentially, there's a part of that that we can, that we, that's what we assess. And we come in and we, um, we talk about the scope. We talk about, okay, what do you want us to look at? Because a lot of times it's, it's that Pareto principle. Uh, 20% of the data is 80% of the value. And you say, that's where I want to spend my time. Um, we, sc- we scope the engagement, the, the quick start discovery to look like that. And what we do is we go through and we, um, essentially evaluate all that. We look at the systems, look at processes associated with how data is moving and things like that. Um, we do the same thing. If, if you called me and you say, Hey Mike, I want to do a bunch of transformation work. I want to automate more. Same concept. We, we have to look at all the same stuff because data drives all these things. Um, and then from there, that gives us kind of a, a high-level kind of write-up and assessment on options, which you can decide to do yourself. You can hire us to take the next steps. Um, or you can just say, all right, I'm good. I'm going to give the buyer
0: this and <laughs> just right. tell him here's some stuff you're going to have to clean up. So as you, as, as you do that, how confidentiality is so important in, mm-hmm. in the pre-sale part. How do you get around with, hey, why is Mike climbing all over our database you know, how, how, how do you work around that? Uh, so the auditor hat's a really good one. Um, okay. if,
1: so, uh, we use that one. We would, uh, you pretend to be an sure. auditor and say, sure. ah, we're auditing systems. We're going to give recommendations on enhancements, things like that. Okay. Um, and less, and see, you know, we can do that. We can just say, yeah, we're auditing systems for security, for application, for, for automation capabilities, things like that, especially, especially when it's, this is a buyer to, you know, buyer to seller deal. And it's the owners usually, um, I've, you know, I've been a part of, you know, public financial companies that are trying to make those decisions. It's called Reg yeah. FD and we have to sign. And so whenever i would worked with the the company that we were pretend we're going to acquire, uh, we would do that as auditors, I but, get it. which if you do enough research and you start to look into why is a CTO of a financial company auditing sure. this other financial company, you can start to do the math, but um, sure. that's, that's what we would do. We would come in and say, you know, it's a, it's a, we're thinking about doing some work with you guys. We just have to audit where it's at. So C spring can do the same thing. We'd say, ah, oh, we're just doing a system audit. going to help you with some plans. Um, And that's why the quick start discovery model works pretty well because it it can kind of move different directions. Sure, But yeah, I totally get the confidentiality. You can't go in and just say, Hey, your owner's (laughs) going to sell the business.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm trying to quantify, you know, I'm a, I'm a value guy. I've, I've always been really, I, I, one of the things that our firm prides herself on is, you know, when we say, you know, this is probably what the business is going to sell for. We're pretty, we're pretty accurate. And and, well, but, but as I, as I'm talking to you, I'm sitting here going, yeah, I'm pretty accurate, but I would love to know how to slice that data piece and say, you know Mm. what, this is, this is the value, you know, we, you know, when, when you sell a business, you have your allocation of purchase price and, you know, so much goes to goodwill and this falls into that bucket. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious to know how, you know, if you can carve out and say, you know what, your data is worth this. Because we we sometimes bump into clients saying, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm closing the business. I want to sell my my customer list or I want to sell, you know, my CRM or whatever. I'm curious to know, is there rules of thumb? Is there, you know, how do you, how do you do that? If, if you can do it at all, i I'm skeptical to say, you know, that that's, that's a hard one. (laughs) Data data valuation
1: is really hard. Uh, If you can direct sell data, there's ways to do that. Um, Like if you have a specific data set you've collected over the years and there's data exchanges and marketplaces where you can direct sell it, it's pretty straightforward. I can give you an estimate. Um, If you're using it from a monetization perspective to enhance processes in your company and like augment sale process, you know, stuff, things like that. It gets really, it's a little yeah. pro forma-ish. And the last one, what gets really hard is the one we're talking about right now is like when you're selling your business, you know, do you invest in the front of it and say, hey, if I spend a thousand bucks on a on a on on some consulting time just to figure out something, am I going to get a 3X return on that? Or am I just going to spend a thousand bucks and get a thousand dollars less? It It's really difficult. I would say in data-heavy industries... You're probably going to get the return. Um yeah, I would if too. like uh It's in, in in industries where, you, like, uh, my brother owned owned gyms and he sold them. Um, when he when I do his valuations and we talk about that kind of stuff, you know, his the only data that's valuable is your is his is his member list, right? And he can he can he can validate that himself. He doesn't need to hire a consultant to just do a member validation. But if you have a really data heavy industry and that yeah. data does have a lot of value, whether it's large customer lists, things like that knowing how accurate that data is can have some validity and can help your argument when you're negotiating with your buyer so hard to yeah. put a, hard to put a no, no, concrete no. number on it though
0: well <laughs> uh, but uh, again I and and i think the the goal of us talking was you know that there this is this is often an overlooked area of yeah. a sale and it would behoove you you know whether you're on the buy side looking to, you know, understand the data or you're on the sell side, you know, that, you know, how do you prepare, you know, this is part of the preparation of, of, of selling your company. If, if, especially if you have the runway to do it, this is a really a great thing to, to, to consider. Um, I know we're bumping up on time, so I want, I got two more questions. One, can, can you, uh, you know, when we initially talked, you were, you had talked about some of the, some of your, your war stories. I'm just curious to know what, uh, what's the most complicated one you've gotten into?
1: The most complicated deal that I was ever, probably ever a part of was a federal takeover of a bank in which we found out that we owned the bank. We were going to own the bank. Um, normally in a normal cycle, you've got about, Three to six months of planning and finding out before, before you have what's legal closed. And then you go through integration. And that's, you know, another whatever number of months. Uh, we had three days. Oh, uh, we found out on a Friday night, we had to run the bank on a Monday morning. There were, I was a, uh, I don't remember my role back then, but I was essentially in charge of IT. Uh, there were no, no IT people were left at the company. They'd all quit. Uh, the, uh, uh sheriffs and the federal regulators had come in. And they'd essentially locked all the people in that building told them they couldn't leave until, uh, they had, there was an investigation going on into the CEO. Um, so you had a bunch of people that hadn't slept, were incredibly anxious because you have, you know, armed federal guards and sheriffs wandering around this building. Um, I had to bring a team in. And so when we're talking about data, uh, the, the, the chief accounting officer needed decisions. She had to make them on Monday. Uh, we had to figure out how to get access to all this data. We had to figure out how to maintain all their systems, all this kind of stuff. We essentially had three days to do it. It was, um, I wouldn't even say it was full. It was successful, but, uh, personally for me, I learned a bunch of lessons on what I need to do from a data perspective, from an architecture yep. perspective, from a strategy perspective. Uh, cause I was used to the, you know, the 12 month runway, the planning sure. and, right. and do it. So that was probably. Uh, probably the yeah. most complicated one I've ever ever been a yeah. part of, and, and probably the most stressful, to be honest. With you. Well, yeah. most stressful from a timeline perspective.
0: I was going to say, I, I heard, I heard, I saw your lips moving, and all I heard was stress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it was. I lived in the basement of that that uh, uh, that bank for a uh, while, and it was it was You know, hearing the stuff we would hear, and you know, trying to find a password to something because all these people had left. Sure, uh, was was nightmarish. And I, I actually we built. It was the this is early mid two thousands. We built a data mart, a data warehouse, uh, in like three days, and oh. we'd never done it that fast before. Usually, that's you know months of planning and work. And uh, I was all excited because by Wednesday, I was able to give these reports, show people we could start making rate decisions because there's some things that happen when the sure. Fed takes over. And uh, the only thing that I got told by the executive team at the time was they're like, man, we really needed this all on Monday. I was like, oh my gosh, we just pulled off a miracle. So I did actually, pull, I put in the architecture and the structures, if, if you know, the next for that bank anyway, if that ever happens again. They have the tooling to go deal with that day one.
0: Good for you. So That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Last question. I ask this of every single guest. So if you have one piece of advice to give our listeners that would have the most immediate impact on their business, what would it be?
1: Ah, so I'll, I'll, I'll lean into data because it's what I do. Yeah. I was, um, I was hoping you would. <laughs> definitely. It's going to be a data. It's going to be a data. Budget. So, so what I like to tell people is is th- it's this this is the chief data officer of me is your your data, your data is monetized or can be monetized and realize that. So it that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to sell it directly. It means you can use it to create value within mm-hmm. your company in some way. So, but to do that, uh and to create like those tangible outcomes from it, I really tell people, you have to treat your data like you would treat your financial assets. What I mean by that is you need to know where it is, you need to know what you're using it for, and you need to know the state it's in. And if you know those things and you're treating it like you treat your money, there's a lot of stuff you can do with it. Got it. All
0: right, my friend. Well, what's the what's the best way we
1: can connect with you in Seaspring? Uh, LinkedIn is a great way to find me. I'm super responsive on LinkedIn. Or uh, you can actually just email me at Seaspring, uh, which I think we'll have in the, in the show yeah, notes.
0: Yeah, it'll be in the notes. Well, Mike, uh, I've got a minute to spare. i, it I was sure. I a great ad. Yeah. Great
1: incredible research. <laughs> incredible. Incredible. It was
0: well, a lot of fun. Well, I enjoyed it and uh, I I look forward to I look forward to seeing listener feedback on this because I, I this is a different one. So
1: Yeah, I, this has been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, likewise. All right, my friend. Well, thanks so much and I'll see you soon. All right. Thank you for joining us today on the How to Sell Your Business Podcast. If you want more episodes packed with strategies to help sell your business for the maximum value, visit howtosellabusinesspodcast.com for tips and best practices to make your exit life changing. Better yet, subscribe now so you never miss future episodes. This program is copyrighted by MISO Inc., all rights reserved.